Lesson 30. Hello again. In this lesson, I'm going to share a few some tips on travel photography since that time of year is coming up for many of us. I'm calling this my top 20 traveling tips lesson, but many of the tips are applicable for all photography. But before we get started, I'd like to mention a few things. First of all, I received an email from Bill who'd like to learn some tips about indoor sports photography. He has a son who plays sports but has been unhappy with the results he's been getting with his camera. I must concede that this is not an area I've had much experience in, so I'd like to invite any of you with some tips and decent indoor sports shots to submit them to me so we can do a future show and tell lesson on indoor sports photography. You can either email me your tips and photos or upload them to my new Facebook site. Speaking of Facebook, Thanks to all of you who have become fans of Photography 101 on Facebook. Facebook's a great place for us to share our thoughts and images regarding photography, plus make suggestions for upcoming podcast episodes. I encourage any of you interested in signing on to either the Facebook or Twitter site to go to scottwoodenberg.com and click the links. Now on to the latest on my new Photo 101 app. I was absolutely thrilled with the number of subscribers who have purchased my app in its first month and would like to thank all of you for your support. And I'd like to remind the rest of you who either have an iPhone or an iPod Touch that the Photo 101 app is a great way to access all the episodes quickly, plus receive all kinds of bonus stuff from time to time. With this episode, I'm including a bonus Top 20 Travel Tips checklist for all app owners. You can access the checklist by just clicking the Travel Tips link in the Extra section for the episode on your iPhone or iPod. Several of you may have noticed that some of the older podcast lessons aren't listed on iTunes ever since they changed the interface of their podcast directory. I've contacted them several times regarding this, but so far haven't gotten back a reply. If you're having trouble accessing any of the episodes at any time, you can always do so by clicking on the website link on the Photo 101 podcast page, which will take you to the feed's website where you can download any episode by simply clicking on its name on the page. Finally. I've got to mention that the Impossible Project announced earlier this month that it has succeeded in bringing back almost all of the old Polaroid instant films. They've also developed some brand new films with exciting characteristics that also fit the old Polaroid cameras. For alternative process artists like myself, this is really great news. If you're interested in checking it out or purchasing any of the new instant films, go to theimpossibleproject.com. Okay, it's time to get on with Lesson 30. My first tip is to make sure to bring along the following three screw-on filter types, UV filters, a polarizing filter, and close-up filters. UV filters are a must for every lens. These filters screw onto the lens and protect it from dirt, scratches, and moisture. They also filter out unwanted ultraviolet haze, but won't decrease the light-gathering capability of your lenses. Polarizing filters eliminate reflections on glass, reduce glare on bodies of water, and make colors more vibrant. Close-up filters screw onto the lens and allow you to take macro shots if you don't have a macro lens. They are often sold in sets of three that can be stacked and increase the magnification of close-up objects incrementally. My next tip is to make sure to have a spare battery for your camera. Without power, most cameras won't work, period. Having a spare, fully charged battery on hand is an absolute must for any serious photographer. My next tip is to make sure to bring along an extra memory card or two. Even though the memory capacity of your card may seem like enough, you can never count on it. There's always a chance that the card can become corrupted and quit working altogether while out in the field. Having an extra card or two just makes good common sense. Another good idea, if you can afford it, is to invest in a long telephoto lens. 
Most cameras come with a standard wide-angle to short telephoto lens in the range of 18 to 55 millimeter, but sometimes you'll want to bring distant scenes or subjects in closer than this lens allows. A long telephoto lens in the range of 55 to 200 millimeter, or even longer, allows you to get in closer without sacrificing crispness or image resolution. Another absolute must is a tripod. A tripod allows you to use long shutter speeds without camera movement and helps you stabilize the camera when taking distant sports shots and so on. Packing even a small tripod like this one is better than not having one at all in these kinds of situations. If a remote control device is available for your camera, investing in one will add versatility and control to your photography. Not only will it eliminate the need for using the self-timer, it allows you to shoot hands-free whenever it's necessary to avoid camera movement or when it's next to impossible to reach the shutter release button. My next tip is to take advantage of your camera's owner's manual. Although it may seem overwhelming at times, your owner's manual is the best source for learning about your camera and its features. Take some time to study it and bookmark any pages that you feel are important for future reference. My next tip is to set image size and quality to the highest settings possible on your camera. Shooting at low image quality and or size settings just to save space on your memory card is penny wise and pound foolish. If an image is worth shooting, it's worth taking up all that space on your card. High resolution images will yield good prints. Low resolution images will not. My next tip is to turn off the ISO auto setting on your camera. Instead, manually set the film speed, or ISO, between 100 and 400 for most shooting situations. The auto ISO setting will almost always add unwanted noise to low light shots by raising the ISO to unacceptable settings to compensate for low light meter readings. Shooting at a lower ISO with a slower shutter speed in a tripod, if necessary, will produce better results. Another tip is to keep your camera handy. Avoid bagging your camera in the field and wear a camera strap instead. Many great shots have been lost fumbling for a camera in a bag. My next tip is to avoid using on-camera flash. Pop-up flash gives images a snapshot look and totally replaces natural lighting in many instances. It is straight on, unflattering, and produces harsh shadows. If you can get enough ambient or existing light to make an exposure, use it your shots will probably look much better. My next tip is to keep an eye on the background. Get in the habit of studying the entire scene, front to back, as well as side to side in the viewfinder before shooting, in order to avoid unwanted, distracting components that may ruin your image. For example, in this first picture of this truck, the background is distracting. So I walked around a little bit until I got a different perspective of the truck, with the shack and so forth, which is a much more interesting background. Another good idea is to keep an eye on the lighting. Light quality is often what makes or breaks a shot. Shooting people in places at midday will result in harsh, non-directional lighting. The best lighting will be found in the morning and evening when the sun is low in the sky and the light is warmer and softer. Long shadows will add depth, drama, and form to a scene. Notice the difference between these two pictures. Here, the shadows are flat, the light is non-directional, for the most part. On the right side here, we have strong shadows and strong definition in the lighting. Much better. Another good tip is to keep an eye on your exposure meter. Monitoring the exposure settings through the lens while shooting in automatic, 
program or priority modes will allow you to decide if shutter speeds are too slow for handheld shots that is longer than 1 60th of a second or if f-stops aren't high or low enough to produce the desired depth of field. If you haven't gotten the hint by now my next tip is don't be lazy. Don't simply freeze and shoot the moment you see something you want to photograph unless it's absolutely necessary. Chances are you won't be in the best position to capture the image. Make an effort to walk around a bit in search of the best possible vantage point to shoot an important subject or scene. Lazy photographers shoot boring, uninteresting photos. For example, in this first picture, I ran into this telephone booth and I thought it looked pretty cool, and I froze and took a shot. But after I thought about it, I said, this doesn't look very good. So I walked around and must have taken 10 or 15 shots of this telephone booth at different angles. Finally, I ended up with one like this. I was pretty happy with it because the composition was pretty good, the lighting was good, and I liked the background. Had I gotten home from the Bahamas and been stuck with this turkey, I would have been really disappointed. The next tip is to get close and avoid compositional clutter. Always come in as tight as possible to subjects and scenes whenever the surroundings don't add anything to the shot. The use of a long telephoto lens is a great way to make the main subject pop. For example, in this first image, taken from our hotel room in Chicago, we have the fountain surrounded by the trees and the lake in the background. I just didn't think it looked that good. So I put on my 200mm telephoto lens and zoomed in on the fountain. This is a much better shot. Surrounded by the trees, you've got the lake in the background, and the repeated shapes of the boats. My next tip is to avoid zooming out. It's something my students do all the time and it drives me crazy. Put some distance between yourself and your subject instead of zooming out to a wide angle to avoid having to exercise a little. Wide angle shots add distortion, decreases compression, and increases depth of field, which are often undesirable qualities. It's almost always better to zoom in on a scene from a distance than to zoom out while close by. Look at the difference between these two pictures. I ran to this really funky old gasoline pump in New Mexico. I was probably about three feet away when I took this shot here zoomed out at wide angle. Notice how distorted it is. I walked back a little bit, zoomed in on the pump, and what I ended up with was a much more compressed picture. It pays to take a few extra steps every once in a while. My next tip is to always consider depth of field when shooting. Depth of field can be controlled by aperture settings. Remember that high f-stop numbers produce greater depth of field, lower ones produce shallower depth of field. Also, lens length. The longer the lens, the shallower the depth of field. And finally, the distance from the lens to the focal point. The closer the object is to the lens, the shallower the depth of field. Decide if you want a sharp background or blurred background and set up your shot accordingly. And finally, tip number 20 is never be happy with just one shot. Experiment with perspective, composition, and so on until you feel you've gotten it right. A single scenario can often yield a variety of great shots, depending on the execution of many factors and variables. Thinking like an artist will almost always reward you with the creation of art. Well, that's about it for now. Remember to send me those indoor sports shots and tips if you have any you'd like to share in a future episode. Until then, see you later. Mm -hmm.